0: Hello everybody, welcome back to Imaginary Podcast by Mr. Imaginary YouTube channel. Today I have um expert doll artist, Shauna Jordan. How are you doing, Shauna? I'm good. Great. So um uh what's your doll artist um what do you why do you do this? Well, it's fun to make
1: impossible things real.
0: Yeah? yeah. I heard uh I heard that um, you actually make pretty cool dolls, according to all of your five-star reviews. Well, I kind of like them, so... <laughs> I might be slightly biased. <laughs> so, um, except for that one-star review, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, that, that
1: was left by another artist who was... Cocky.
0: Um, psychopathic. Type, <laughs> okay. Yeah, because you made that doll for um, not Make-A-Wish Foundation, but for a Make-A-Wish um sort of thing, right? Yeah, it it was for a terminally ill child. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh. And she didn't appreciate it because she thought that she owned the board. Yeah. Which the b- obviously the board is doll. not owned yeah. by some random doll artist in Australia. <laughs>
0: But yeah, um, other than that one artist that says, hey, she actually bought this, she's a faker, she's actually not a faker. I actually watched her make that doll. So, all those five-star reviews are real. I can confirm that, because there's only four people in my family. Um, but yeah. So, um... Who, what gave you the inspiration to make these dolls? Well... My daughter found
1: Reborn Dolls on YouTube, and she wanted one. And that was not in the budget, to say the least. And so I figured, you know, i give it a shot. At worst, I'm out the cost of the, the paint and the kit, and and I'll know I can't do it. So, But I started with real babies that looked like humans, and... um. And and we got pretty good at those. I've had nurses at the children's hospital think that they were real. (laughs) Um, what What I find really amusing is now that I paint the fantasy babies and I've got avatars and fairies and mermaids, what I find really interesting is when people really think they're real even though they're so obviously not. You know, there's no such thing as mermaids, probably. I think we're all kind of comfortable with this fact. But I had some woman ask me at one point how old the mermaid was. I've had them ask me what we feed the werewolves. Um, (laughs) I I had one threaten to call children's services because I painted zebra stripes on the one baby, (laughs) which I thought was kind of amusing because (laughs) even if I had... Painted zebra stripes on a toddler, which I think, you know, personally, I've never f- known a toddler that would hold still long enough for you to paint zebra stripes all over them. <laughs> That's the first problem with this theory. And the second problem is, even if you found a toddler that would hold still for that long and let you paint zebra stripes all over them, why would that need to go to children's services? Like, <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not going to paint my children all over with zebra stripes, but if somebody else did, I'd just go, you're slightly strange, and that would be the end of it. There's, there's no child abuse here, um, you know, unless you duct tape the child down in order to get them to sit still and, and paint them, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, some of, the, some of the fantasy ones, people think that they've got makeup on or it's Halloween costume, and some of the fantasy ones, they just truly believe that, you know, it looks so real that it's obviously got to be real, so there must be werewolves because, hey... There's one right there. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, um... You have a really, really big love for art. I heard. And, uh, acting. I heard yes. about that. <laughs> I heard you are actually, um... Your kids are actually with Hula Blue.
1: Um, my kids do a lot of theater. Some of it with, uh, school... Uh, groups and, and some of it with the local, uh, youth theater. Um, and yeah, they do, they do all sorts of fun things. Um, everything from just being in the play to doing magic, setting things on fire, hanging from the ceiling. I, we have some of the more interesting, um, talents, some of the
0: more interesting genomes.
1: Uh, it probably is genetic. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, um, do you have a, necessarily, like, a favorite theater? Well, obviously, Hullabaloo's my favorite,
1: because, you know, that, that's, that's where all of our friends are, and,
0: and, um, I believe you're friends with it, the it's, theater. it's, it's nice um, to
1: know who you're dealing with going in, you know? Could we take you somewhere else and audition for a different theater and and possibly, you know, do just fine? Yeah, that that's there's, there's no reason we couldn't, but it's nice to know the people that you're working with and, and to know where you can help and what's off limits and, and what the rules are. There's just something to be said. And also, you know, the director at Hall Blue is amazing, and she deals very well with all the kids and their different personalities, and... They're more of a family than the snarkiness that you get some other places where you've got personalities that don't necessarily mesh and they pick on each other and nobody does anything about it. Or It's not like that at Hullabaloo. At Hullabaloo, if you pick on somebody else, you're going to stop. And if you don't stop, you won't be back. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how talented you are. You're it's just,
0: it's just rudeness is not tolerated.
1: Yeah, yeah, we, we don't... Um, they they don't um you know sometimes when you have kids and they're in groups be it theater or, or baseball or whatever you have one kid who's really talented yeah and they tend to pander to that kid and let him get away with murder and do anything he wants and you what you end up with is a spoiled rotten brat that is tormenting every other child in the group and I've seen so many groups like that, and that's the one thing that I think is so amazing about Hollow Blue is there's a lot of different age children. There's kids from 7 years old up to 18 years old, and at one point they actually had kids as young as 5 for, uh, you know, a uh, smaller play that they did. Um, and they all get along well, they all play together, nobody excludes anybody, nobody, they wouldn't think of it.
0: Okay. So, can you tell me a little more about Hullabaloo? Like, the, do they do anything else other than just place?
1: Yeah. Um, Hullabaloo does, uh, in, a, in addition to the place, they'll do talent shows. Um, they used to do them every month. We don't do that anymore, but they've got one coming up uh, July 10th.
0: They're going to do a talent show.
1: Um they oh, do July 10th,
0: the they're I think they're I think she's planning on doing like a concert thing for anybody who has been there or and their family and friends. But uh no nobody that has never acted there or have been there are allowed on stage. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, no it's not an open mic night. It it's it's her kids that are are ah. doing it. Yeah. Um you know not her kids personally, but her kids, as in the the ones from the theater. Yeah. Um, but and family
0: and friends of those kids are allowed to act with them, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um. Okay. But um, she she does
1: does do open stage nights where you anybody can come in and do uh, a talent or uh, a comedy set or play music or whatever you want to do. Um, and there's been some interesting ones up there. Uh, everything from dancers to aerialists hanging from the ceiling. Um, and then every Halloween they do the haunted house, which is a fundraiser to get money, uh, usually for costumes. And, uh, that's really fun. They, they, For the most part, it's run by the kids, so when you come Uh into the haunted house, most of the people working are a little on the shorter side, Um, (laughs) but actually, to be honest, some of the small ones are the scariest ones in the bunch. They get very creative about how How to... um, how they're gonna plan their Scare attack. an adult? Yeah. Because let, let's face it, the two foot tall six year old really isn't that intimidating uh, in and of herself. But when she hides around the corner and grabs your ankle when you walk by, that's a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um. So I heard that multiple theaters um usually do like this after, after um after all the um play parties you know and the plays and stuff and um, do they do any after party thing they do a cast party after every show for the kids um
1: i don't know what that's going to look like coming up now that we've got you know uh social distancing issues in the mix. Um, the kids have done very well recently with keeping their masks on and for Great. the most part staying far enough apart if they're not from the same household. <laughs> um, <laughs> but sitting around a table eating pizza probably isn't going to be a possibility for us this time because that's just too close. So I don't know. It, it will have to be um, maybe, maybe they'll still, changed like, a little bit, but
0: yeah. they still expect to do it. Maybe like a behind, maybe like separate chairs you know far far away enough
1: yeah or just you know maybe we'll eat our pizza in the theater like in the seats or I don't know yeah. yeah, Christina doesn't usually like greasy stuff in her seats, but I suppose yeah. we'll have to see. I don't know what's going on. I wouldn't
0: necessarily like greasy stuff in my seats.
1: Well, you know what? You don't want to walk into the theater and see big old grease spots on the seats. That is not a pleasant thing, especially <laughs> when you're paying to see a live show because, let's face it, that's not usually the cheapest thing by the time you pay for a ticket for every person in your family to go see this live show, and then you get hungry and you have to go get some concessions. And, you know, uh, a lot of the people that come... Uh, know someone that's in the show, and so they'll buy flowers, and so it's kind of expensive. You don't want to walk into something that you paid a lot of money for and see grease spots on the seats. That's just not... So she's been pretty good about trying to keep all that kind of stuff out of there, but I don't... That's the biggest part of the theater is the stage and the seats. So if we're going to do the party, I don't know whether we'll have to eat something different or whether they'll, you know, put up
0: more tables, spread them apart on the stage or I don't know, yeah. but we'll see. Okay. So um so how much does it usually cost to um to see a play? Um I'm not certain to be honest.
1: I don't I, I I'm not ever the one that pays for it. If uh if I'm sitting in the audience uh My husband goes and buys tickets while I'm getting kids dressed in costumes. (laughs) Um, And, you know, in all honesty, I don't get to set through the plays that often. For the majority of them, I spend at least half of the show backstage working with costumes and kids and props and getting everybody where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, um, I want to talk a little more about you. So, um... You're very creative. <laughs> that's that's a fact. Um, yes. You do a lot of events when you possibly can. Um, so, uh, usually powwows. I heard that you usually do powwows. Um, get, tell me a little more about that. Okay, so I guess the first thing is what
1: is a powwow? So Okay. Because pow- <laughs> <laughs> that's something that may not be um, a regular occurrence for most people. So a powwow is basically, um, a native American celebration. It, it depends on where you are and who's putting it on. Um, some of them are huge dance competitions with major money paid out. Some of them are dinky little backyard affairs where the drum comes and we all just come and have a big old party. Um, (laughs) But you know, it's it's basically it's a, it's a family reunion where everybody gets together and they do all the traditional things that otherwise we would forget how to do because let's face it what a, what other time is traditional native american dancing going to happen than at a powwow. Yeah. So, um <laughs> but uh usually for the most part uh they are open to the public and people could come in and can see because a lot of people are curious. Um you know, they don't know anything about Native American culture, and they don't know anything about the drums and the dancers and, and all the different things. And, and for most people, the, their closest encounter with Native Americans is either history class or dances with wolves. And both are kind of a little on the short-sighted end of the spectrum. So, you know, there's a lot going on. Native Americans are not extinct. Never have <laughs> been. Thank you very much. No matter how many history teachers I've had to explain this to. Um yes, we do still get together. Yes, we do still play the same traditional music and do the same traditional dances and and we do some fun things and it's a great place for kids. Kids love to dance. Mine have been dancing since they were old enough to walk. I carried them into their first powwow and and you know, they've been there ever since and um so it's a great place for them. And and then a lot of them will do special stuff for the kids. They'll have candy dances or give away stuffed animals. That and it'll be tasty. a, well, the, it's basically like a native American Easter egg hunt. Ah, okay. The, the, uh, the, the, coordinators of the powwow will go out and they'll throw candy everywhere all over the ground and the kids will come into the circle and they'll bring their baskets or their bags or whatever and they will dance and when the drum stops playing music they have to all go pick up all the candy that they can find and they all come out of there with huge bags of candy sometimes and lately there have been a whole lot of people donating stuffed animals to uh, some of the bigger powwows so, not only are they coming out of there with huge bags of candy, they're coming out of here with giant white buffaloes under their arms.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, that sounds adorable.
1: It, it is. It's great. And the kids love it.
0: it it's honestly their... buffaloes are usually the animals for um, for Native Americans.
1: Well, you know, I like the white buffalo. I that That is something that, that means a lot to me. The white buffalo is on all of my regalia when I was learning to dance the uh first white buffalo that had been oh. born and i don't know how many years
0: that anyone knew of uh, um okay so um i'm guessing you're native american yes okay and.
1: not to seem rude <laughs> yeah, okay <laughs> not to seem rude um I, I am the biggest mutt that you will ever meet in your life, although the older I get, the more I realize that everybody else is too, just most of them don't realize it. We are Native American, and my kids uh, do traditional Native American dance. We're also Scottish. My daughter is a Scottish dancer. My son knows how to play Highland tenor. He played with a pipe and drum corps. I used to compete as an Irish dancer. Um, Sounds interesting. My daughter has an entire cookbook of German recipes, and our diet is decidedly German most days. And, in all honesty, when you come down to it, I can only come up with three or four countries that we don't have ancestors from, so...
0: (laughs) So you're pretty much everything except for those three or four countries.
1: Pretty much everything, yeah. Um, There is a lot of Native American in our our family history, and uh, there are actually multiple tribes. Um... Which some people look at you kind of funny about, but in all honesty, once society, as as a modern society, started to happen, they were mixed an awful lot. So I really don't think that it should be that surprising that there are people that are multiple tribes. Um, Because we were all sent to the same Indian schools and to the same reservations, and yeah, they tried to keep them apart to some degree, but... There was always a lot of the together and even now when you go to powwow, most powwows are intertribal, which means that you are welcome no matter what tribe you're from. It doesn't matter if you're Sioux or Shoshone or Cherokee or anybody is welcome and you're welcome even if you're not Indian. And um, there are certain things that you're not allowed to do if you're not Indian or if you're not a traditional dancer, if you don't know the old ways. Yeah. But you are allowed to stay and watch and, and as long as you are respectful, anyone is welcome. It
0: really doesn't matter where you're from or or who you're with. Okay, so um spoiler alert, guys, I'm actually her son.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Okay, guys, the people that listen to the podcast, I'm actually her son. So yes, I have told people that I'm mostly everything, including probably Asian. And people are all like, and my bullies, I have a lot of bullies. My bullies are all like Um, so you, so what does cat taste like? And what does dog taste like? I'm like, no.
1: I don't know. I haven't
0: licked mine recently. (laughs) Yeah, but. (laughs) Do you
1: lick yours?
0: That's weird. I mean, I know I'm straight, but
1: that seems weird to me.
0: Sure, I'm somewhat Asian. That doesn't mean I eat cat and dog, okay? So sure, I'm part Asian, but that doesn't mean I eat Asian.: Sure, I like Chiani. Sure, I like Chinese food, but not that Chinese well, food.:
1: a Big difference between being ancestrally from a place and being raised in that place. You know, I, there are a lot of people who have been American for a lot of generations that didn't do a lot of mixing with outside groups, so they still look like they're totally Korean. but at the end of the day they were raised in America and they are about as American as you can get now they may know traditional dances traditional recipes they may have family traditions that came from Korea but they weren't raised there it's not like um, I used to live next door to a couple little girls who were born in Korea and they were adopted by the lady that lived next door to us and they were wonderful girls but they were terrified of dogs (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Now not everybody who's from Cor- who ha- is ancestrally from Korea is terrified of dogs, right? That's mm-hmm. just not something that is. But they were terrified of dogs cuz they grew up in Korea in the poor neighborhood where packs of dogs would steal children to and take them off to eat them. Mm-hmm. And so adults always told all the kids, don't go near the dogs hide if the dogs come, don't let the dogs in, and they were terrified. Their version of a dog was the evil, hungry, pack animal that was desperate enough to be eating people, and that's the big difference. They are Korean, raised in Korea and raised in this environment where that is what they grew up with, versus... We're Korean, but we were raised in America. We don't care anything mm-hmm. about dogs other than the one next door is kind of cute, and we think we should go pet it. Yeah. Um, you know, and so all this ridiculousness about, oh, if you're,
0: if you're Chinese, you must eat cats. Yeah. Well, that's just dumb. <laughs> anyway, thank you for speaking with me, Shauna Doran. It was nice talking to you. You too. All right. I'm going to shake your hand. <laughs> That's all
1: right. You live in my house.
0: <laughs> Good point. Anyway, next time, next, on our next podcast, we will, be, uh, we will be interviewing James Jordan, professional IT technician at Integrated Protection Services in the Columbus branch. Thank you. Now an Irish song is going to play because, you know, Shauna requested it. So, see you guys later on the next um, podcast. Bye.